Hello and welcome to the Dakota Rustler Show. I am your host, Daryl Rutt, and this is episode number 108, I believe. Today we are going to cover topics such as tax credit abuse, government spying, mental health in youth, which is an article by Bernie Sanders, and more. Before we get to that, though, I'd need to do my usual shout-out to DakotaRustler.org. Yes, that's the website I am on. From there, you can donate either one-time or monthly. You can listen to some of the most recent podcasts on audio, and you can also click on a link to shop for merchandise from the Dakota Rustler Show. With that, let's get right into the stories. Number one, four Iowa businessmen who in 2011 created a company called Alternative Carbon Resources, or ACR, have been accused of fraudulently collecting millions in tax credits from the U.S. Treasury and are now being sued in federal court for $70 million. Also named as a defendant, is JWC Investments, a company owned by one of ACR's owners. The lawsuit accuses the four men of forming ACR for the sole purpose of claiming alternative fuel mixture credits. It claims ACR purchased waste generated as a byproduct of ethanol production, mixed that waste with a small amount of diesel fuel, then falsely informed the federal government it had sold the blend as an alternative fuel mixture in order to qualify for $19 million in credits. The U.S. Court of Federal Claims also entered into a judgment against ACR for $59 million, representing unpaid excise taxes and penalties, bringing the total to nearly $70 million. The court claims ACR never was eligible for the credits because the company's waste-diesel mixture was never actually used as fuel or sold to anyone as fuel. According to the lawsuit, one of the accused served as the company's registered agent and managing member. Another, a certified public accountant, acted as a financial officer, while a third, who holds a master's degree in business administration, acted as its secretary. The fourth person is alleged to have formed JWC Investments, in which he holds a 99% interest and directed that any monies paid to him by ACR be passed through JWC. The article then goes on into a long explanation and time scale of how the fraud took place. My question is this, if it started in 2011, why is this lawsuit only happening now? That's over 10 years ago, 12 years. The answer? Government works very slowly and inefficiently. How many times have I said in my life and on this show, wherever there are handouts, there will be hands out. What we need is a flat rate income tax with zero tax credits and zero deductions other than dependents and for businesses, operating expenses. You know what makes this story even more sad? In August of 2011, that's 12 years ago, 
the IRS sent ACR an advisory letter stating that alternative fuel mixtures being deposited in anaerobic digester tanks were not being used as fuel and therefore weren't eligible for the credits. Despite that finding, however, ACR continued to seek and collect millions from the U.S. Treasury. Have I not also stated on this show that government has gotten so big it can't keep track of everything it does? I have, and here's another example of it that I just gave you. And that's why it's estimated that 20% of government spending is fraud-related. They just can't keep up with it. Number two... Toyota will introduce high-performance solid-state batteries and other technologies to improve the driving range and cost cuts of future electric vehicles. Toyota said it aims to launch the next-generation lithium-ion batteries starting in 2026, offering longer ranges and quicker charging. It also trumpeted a technological breakthrough that addresses durability problems in solid-state batteries and said it is developing means to mass-produce those types of batteries beginning in 2027. Solid-state batteries can hold more energy than current liquid electrolyte batteries, hence, hence greatly increasing an EV's range. An EV powered by a solid-state battery would have a range of about 750 miles and a charging time of just 10 minutes. Toyota did not detail expected costs or required investments for the plans, but it is likely to be pricey. You know, at 750 miles, it just might be able to convert me into liking EVs. That's about the most I'm willing to drive in a day anyway, 750 miles, although I have gone further on occasion. But a 10-minute charge time? Oh, wow, that would be great. That's a game changer. Only problem is, the car I have now will probably last me until I keel over, or at least that's my hope, so I still probably won't buy one. In April, the automaker sold 8,500-plus EVs worldwide, including in its Lexus brand, and that accounts for more than 1% of its global sales in a single month for the first time ever. So yes, they are making inroads. Toyota sold almost 10.5 million vehicles last year and has a market value of $254 billion for those interested in investing. Toyota has long said it wants to offer consumers a choice of new energy vehicles including petrol electric hybrids and hydrogen fuel cells as well as battery EVs as part of the industry's transition from a petrol powered vehicle supply. Number three the White House is stepping up pressure on lawmakers to renew a section of electronic surveillance law which permits the government to conduct targeted surveillance of foreign persons located outside the U.S. 
For those of you not in the know, there are basically five countries that have agreed to spy on each other's citizens and then share that information with their respective countries. Why? Because spying on their own citizens is unconstitutional. However, there is no law stating that countries can't spy on each other's citizens, grab their data, and then share that data. Therefore, the Fourth Amendment has, for all intents and purposes, been rendered useless. Don't believe me? Google Five Eyes Spying. You can read all about it. The provision known as Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act is set to expire at the end of the year, but its renewal is facing pushback from privacy advocates and lawmakers, some citing examples in which law enforcement search requests were misused to conduct illegal surveillance on U.S. citizens. Uh, you think? <laughs> happens all the time. Quote, although purportedly targeted at foreigners, Section 702 has become a rich source of warrantless government access to Americans' phone calls, text, and emails, according to the Brennan Center for Justice. In 2022 alone, the FBI conducted more than 200,000 warrantless searches to find Americans' information and had converted Section 702 into a domestic spying tool. This should not be news to anyone out there. The Fourth Amendment has become basically worthless. A poll released last week showed that the public is growing more skeptical of the need to sacrifice civil liberties for security. 48% of Americans said they believe it is necessary to sacrifice their rights and freedoms to prevent terrorism, down from 54% in 2021 and nearly two-thirds in 2011, a decade after the 9-11 attacks. You know, 48% is still atrocious and appalling. That number should be 0%. Biden administration officials said they opposed proposals to require the FBI to get a warrant every time it searches for an American's information. In its effort to sway you to give up your rights, the White House offers examples of when the provision had been used effectively including Beijing's efforts to track and repatriate Chinese dissidents and to warn an American who was seeking information about the proliferation of weapons of mass destructions. You know, Section 702 is fine. Just get a damn warrant to do it. The FBI said it has instituted better training and new rules that have sharply reduced the number of searches for American citizens. But do you really believe that? Government is known for abuse after abuse after abuse, and it's never going to stop until we rebel. With that, it's time to take a break. But don't go away, because when I come back, more horse sense.
For all things Dakota Rustler related, please visit dakotarustler.org. The website contains links to media sites, a merchandise store, and a button to donate to the show. Your support helps to pay for expenses of production, as well as research time. Feedback is appreciated, and comments or topic ideas can be sent to the email address listed on the website. Sponsorships are also available if you have a business to promote. Now, back to the show. Hello, welcome back to the Dakota Rustler Show. want to apologize for how I sound today. It feels like I got a frog in my throat. But anyway, hey, that's life. You got to move on and do what you got to do. Uh, just a reminder, a shout out to Dan Heim and to Vinny Camilleri for the use of their music on this podcast. And also to Arbel Kimmick, who does all the voiceover work. With that said, let's get on to the last two stories, including the next one, which is the main topic topic. Number four. In America today, 40% of parents report being very worried that their child is struggling with anxiety or depression. And they are right to be worried, according to Bernie Sanders. Or are they? According to a recent survey by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, nearly one-third of teenagers in America reported that the state of their mental health was poor. 40% felt persistently sad or hopeless. Nearly 20% of high school students report serious thoughts of suicide, and 9% have made an attempt to take their lives. You know, normally I would declare just allow a culling of the herd, you know, but this is serious. Supposedly our young people today face challenges that no generation in modern history has ever been forced to deal with, Bernie says. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Every damn generation that has existed can say that. New challengers are nothing new. Every generation faces them. The pandemic created fears in children about whether they or their loved ones would get sick or die. That's an anxiety not easily dealt with by young developing minds. Yeah, especially when seemingly half the parents are too emotionally weak to handle it themselves. Just Look at all the emotional trauma from COVID. I mean, come on, adults, grow up. We're a nation of emotional two-by-fours on a termite hill. Get a backbone, people. The pandemic also brought about disruption in normal day-to-day lives for our youth. No more getting together with friends after school or on weekends. No more team sports. No more theater or chorus. No more this. No more that. For people who knew me before I became the Dakota Rustler, did I not say that the cure for COVID was going to be worse than the illness? In addition, this economy is not working for them. Well, guess what? It didn't work for me either when I was young in the 70s. It's possible their generation will have a lower standard of living than their parents. No, it's not. Today's kids have things that my generation never even dreamed of. Start appreciating it. How are they going to afford college or pay off their student debt? 
Well, maybe you get the government out of it. Will they ever be able to buy their own home or afford health care? Young people are worrying about these things on a daily basis. You know what I had to say? Why, why, why cry me a river? You know what I put up with? Vietnam, Kent State, Watergate, high inflation, exploitation of minorities far worse than what it is today. Acid rain, love canal, and more I can't even think of right now. We had our own problems and saw it. Heck, we're the boomer generation, the hippie generation. We invented recreational drugs as an escape from Vietnam and other issues. You know, but the difference is back then, people had a pair. They had a backbone. They had an emotional drive that wasn't dependent on sucking off the government tit. Now that's all we look for. You know, the liberal pansies have destroyed all that. If you're a parent with one of these kids, maybe you need to look in the mirror. There's a great chance that you passed on your weaknesses of emotion to them. And then, of course, there's the screen time. There's a five-word solution for screen time, people. Turn it the hell off. If everyone spent one minute planning out their lives and doing something about it, for every minute they spend online, there would be no problems worthy of depression. More than 40% of Instagram users reported feeling unattractive. So don't use it. The same can be said for Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, and other social media problems. So don't use them. Nobody's putting a gun to your head. Better yet, get rid of the damn smartphone. The problem and the solution is in your hands. Take action. And number five. Some 25 to 35 percent of climate changing greenhouse gas emissions come from so-called biomass burning, which also includes seasonal fires intentionally set to clear land for agriculture. Most of those fires occur in tropical regions of Africa. In Uganda, a country of 45 million people, charcoal is preferred in households across the income spectrum, but especially in those of the urban poor, seen as ideal in the preparation of certain dishes that require slow cooking. The leading supplier of charcoal in the country is northern Uganda. However, Uganda's president, Yoweri Museveni, recently issued an executive order banning the commercial production of charcoal in the area. So he just put a ton of people out of work. However, charcoal production still persists despite the president's order. So I guess they're not out of work. As well as other laws empowering local authorities to regulate harmful activities. The men who do this job say they are simply earning a living and a cheap one at that. They earn the equivalent of $3 per bag. One man asserts that charcoal from northern Uganda is likely used even in the state house. Another says, quote, Even those policemen who are coming to beat us, they are cooking with charcoal. We are not here to spoil the environment. We are here by landowner orders. Those people who are selling these trees to investors, unquote. 
The investors then deploy men armed with power saws and machetes, working over specific areas and leaving when they have cut down all the trees that were sold. The scene can appear to be denuded of tree cover when the men are done, leaving little but saplings and shrubs. According to Deo Senyimba, who is a charcoal maker, we are not going to stop. We stop and then we do what? Are we going to steal? So again, the government's trying to put these people out of work for creating a basic living. Some local activists, i.e. eco-Nazis, have formed vigilante groups in some districts where a former lawmaker recently led an attack on a truck that was dispossessed of 380 bags of charcoal or over $1,000 worth to poor Ugandans. Although the former lawmaker has since been charged with aggravated robbery, the country's chief justice has praised him as a hero. So what we have is an African country, rich by no means, struggling to get by like any other group in any other country. And their lawmakers, urged on by the eco-Nazis, making life even tougher for these people. Charcoal is probably the only thing many of these people can afford in order to cook. I'm fairly confident that Uganda's electric grid is nothing like ours. Many of them probably don't even have electric. You know, they have to cook with charcoal. They probably don't have natural gas either in a lot of these places. So governments, quit interfering in how people want to or may have to cook. It's none of your business. Let them do as they wish. With that, it's, you know the mantra. Question authority and always be free. Thank you for listening to the Dakota Rustler Show, a production of D.L. Root, Buzzsprout.com, and their affiliates. Any unauthorized use of this show is prohibited. Until next time, have a great day, and don't forget to subscribe.